Welcome to Grit in Medicine, a Mayo Clinic Talks production, inspiring grit, growth, resilience, inspiration, and tenacity in medicine. Hi, I'm Dr. Anjali Bagra, an internist in executive health at Mayo Clinic. And I'm Dr. Susie Mosler, an anesthesiologist specializing in pain medicine at Mayo Clinic. We are joined today by Dr. Amy Katsenas, radiologist at Mayo Clinic, also in several leadership roles in the American College of Radiology, Associate Professor of Radiology at Mayo Clinic. Welcome, Dr. Katsenas. Thank you, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. We're so excited to talk with you about some of the things you've talked about at the conference. And first of all, can you tell us a few interesting things about yourself? Um, sure. My husband and I, one of the things that we love to do when we're not at work is, is to hike, and we hike frequently in the Big Sky Montana area, which is known as grizzly bear country. And we've been advised that hiking in that area should make a lot of noise to keep the bears away. Um, my husband and I are not noisy people. Uh, we're both introverts, my husband much more so than I. Um, and so what we do is we recite poetry. And I've, wow. learned, I've learned a lot of poems, um, including I even know at least one in Italian. Wow. <laughs> do you have a favorite? Probably my favorite is, is Robert Frost, Two Roads Diverged in Yellow Wood. Okay. Um, Fantastic. Awesome. Well, we are here recording live at the GRIT conference at Ojai Valley in California. Uh, what does GRIT mean to you? So GRIT to me means uh, really determination and fortitude, uh, perseverance and courage in the, in the face of adversity, and really persevering when it looks like odds are insurmountable. Um, it's really been fantastic to be at the conference these past few days, um, hearing all of the stories that the other women have told. It's really been truly inspiring. Yeah, certainly, it, it, I agree. We agree. It's mm -hmm. been powerful. Yes. Um, and I imagine in your leadership roles, and we'd like to hear a little bit more about them, and uh, you've needed grit and you've persevered and you've done and you're doing amazing work. So can you share with us some of your research roles? Sure. Um, so recently at Mayo Clinic, I have led what we call our Enterprise Radiology IT Committee. It's the group that really implements all of the technology that we use in radiology, and radiology is a very tech-heavy mm -hmm. specialty. Um, in addition to that, I was recently elected as an officer in the American College of Radiology, and I, I serve on the ACR's um, advisory committee to the Data Science Institute. So very involved in uh, the early phases of AI implementation, both at Mayo Clinic and through my role with the ACR. That's great, but congratulations. Yes, definitely. We need people like you in oh, yeah. leadership and pushing things forward. So what is the charge of that committee at ACR? Really, uh, I think what the charge is, is to implement um, AI tools in a way that are going to be, I think, first and foremost, uh, safe for our patients, mm -hmm. that are really going to provide value to our patients and improve outcomes for patients. Um, we want to ensure that uh, things we're implementing are going to be free of bias. And so that's one of the primary charges of, of this group. I think it's also to implement it in a way um, that really allows radiology radiologists and other physicians um, to take away some of the more mundane tasks so that we can really focus on the patients and focus mm -hmm. on patient care. Well, that's great. Um, you know, when we talk of AI, there is concern around blind spots within AI because we are imperfect humans trying to design perfect protocols. And, yes. and, and I love what you said, to address bias upfront in designing AI. 
how does one ensure that in you know with creating AI applications, especially in radiology, and what are the kind of biases? So one of the things that the American College of Radiology is doing is it's really engaging radiologists from across the country and developing what we call use cases. So really outlining um, what, it, what are the problems we're trying to solve? Um, what are the things that are going to be most beneficial to patients? And really laying out that framework in a clear way so that the folks who develop these algorithms, who tend not to be involved in medicine, um, have a real clear framework for designing it and design it in, in a way that's going to be most beneficial. One of the other things that we're concerned with as, as these things are designed and employed is um, being able to go back and check and make sure that the quality stays high, that the algorithms continue to um, to perform as expected and that there aren't any unintended consequences. So I certainly run AI and I don't know a lot, honestly, but I've heard the murmurs of, is AI gonna replace us as physicians, as radiologists, as other? And um, what are your thoughts? So there are certainly quite a few individuals who seem to be making a name for themselves on the speaking circuit by saying that <laughs> a variety of, of specialties in medicine um, are, are going to go out of business as a result of AI. Some have gone so far as to say we should stop training radiologists. Mm. Um, I certainly don't believe that that's the case. I actually believe that AI is going to make us better at what we do. Mm. Um, if you look at, at, at places where AI has been used um, outside of medicine, mm. that's often the case. That it's, I think mm. it's better to think of it more as augmenting human mm. intelligence than mm. replacing it. A colleague of mine who works in the space in radiology has said that you know AI isn't going to be replacing radiologists, but the radiologist who uses AI will very likely replace the radiologist who doesn't. Oh, well, that's, that's interesting. That is interesting. It's good to know there are systematic processes in place, it sounds like, to address some biases up front, and there is mechanisms in place to augment the work that we do. Because I feel like in my experience as an internist, the way I've seen it help me is uh, the detailed reporting that we see on lung nodules, for example. And I bet there are algorithms that can quickly generate reports about frequency of screening. Because yes. it's pattern recognition, Yes, it's right? pattern recognition, um, standards-based. Right. Yes, so it should simplify that. It simplify and, mm -hmm. and kind of help with time management. Mm -hmm. And mundane tasks. And mundane right. tasks. If we can do fewer of those and more yeah. of the patient or other interactions that, that are of great you know, value and enjoyment, that'll bring all of us more joy. Yes. And that's certainly the hope. And, yeah. and, and yes. So one of the interesting things um, about, and I love, is that you're in these leadership roles. And particularly because I'm not sure the percentage, is it radiology like 20, 25% women? About 25% women. Okay. And so it's important that they have role models like you. And um, you've been involved in RadXX. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, as you said, about 25% of radiologists are women. Um, RadXX really started um, around women who do imaging informatics and IT. Um, and it was, it was really started by Dr. Mm -hmm. Geraldine McGinty, who currently chairs the board of the American College of Radiology. And she had attended a, a dinner at one of the, the big annual radiology society meetings um, and was invited to a thought leaders in radiology. And she was there at this dinner and was 
was there with a, a, another woman who was the, the marketing director for the company that was sponsoring this dinner. And they were the only two women mm -hmm. out of maybe 30 or 50 yeah. people that had been invited to this dinner. And they said, well, this just can't happen again next year. So they put the heads together. And the next year, they decided that they would have a cocktail hour before the dinner. And they invited about 30 of us. I was one of those women that was invited. Um, and many of us stayed for dinner. And out of that grew RadXX, and, and we use hashtag RadXX on social media. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really become a community mm -hmm. of women in radiology, and particularly women who do imaging informatics and IT, because there's a much smaller percentage of sure. us mm -hmm. than there are in radiology in general. Um, so now we have big events at several meetings um, with hundreds of people, um, mostly women, but we certainly include men as well. Um, we have a monthly news digest where we highlight uh, a woman every month and her achievements. And then we recently started, uh, just in July, we kicked off a speakers bureau. Um, for women in this space because we, we see the mantles that happen yeah. <laughs> frequently at these types of conferences. Yeah, right, right. And one of, the, one of the things that we hear most often is, well, we just didn't know any women to invite. So we kicked off the Speakers Bureau uh, to remove that barrier. Um, and we've had our, our first two women have been invited to speak at what would have otherwise been all-male panel wow. <laughs> discussions. Yes. Um, so that's been a, a really big success. Well, that's, that's powerful. And congratulations to you and your colleagues for spearheading such an important, incredibly important movement, which you may not have intended to, but you ultimately ended up doing. I know it's noticeable on social media that there are many women in leadership roles within radiology and radiological societies. And I know there are a few first timers. Can you talk about that? How, what's that trend like? And are there deliberate efforts behind this? I, I think I think we just got to a tipping point. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, once you have one or two firsts, and we had a couple at, at the same time, yeah. um, it just becomes a little bit of a self-perpetuating thing. Um, I would say that certainly the some of the women who are those firsts have been just phenomenal about lifting other women up and lifting other women into leadership roles. I think I'm the, the benefit of that. I'm the benefit of, of sponsorship for sure, which we've heard at this meeting is um, incredibly important and probably more important for women than mentorship. And, and so um, we're really seeing women taking that sponsorship role very seriously. And um, it's been incredible to see some of the changes. That's so important because sponsorship is really that person in a position of power or ability to publicly put a mentee or someone into or suggest for a committee or an opportunity. And I know you've done that for others. Sometimes we are asked, you're right, about who's a good speaker. And I am mm -hmm. phenomenally excited to know that you will speak on AI or other innovative things. And can people outside get access to the Speakers Bureau for opportunities for speakers and topics for these women at other conferences? Oh, absolutely. This is freely available on the internet. Um, if you search RadXX Speakers Bureau, you'll be able to find it. That's innovative yeah. of itself. I mean, really. Absolutely. So thank you for change. doing that. What would be your top three takeaways for our listeners? Three takeaways from my talk really, I think, are um, 
that the world of medicine is changing. It's changing very rapidly. And I, I think that we all need not just to be prepared for that change, but really to um, drive it forward, to really create the future that we want to see, because it will be in our best interest and certainly in the best interest of our patients. Um, at the same time, change is very, very hard. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to lead through change, and it's certainly hard for everyone that you're leading to, um, to deal with change. Nobody likes change. Uh, so it's, it can be very challenging. Um, and then I think the final thing is that, you know, certainly through my leadership journey, I've made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> um, especially with leading change. And I think that um, probably one of the most important things I've learned is as a leader, you need to be open to change yourself. And I don't just mean the macro changes, but the micro changes. Um, you know, I have learned that I need to listen um, a lot more and I need to be flexible with some of the decisions that we make um, and really be open to changing the plan. Yeah. That's great. We all certainly, well, I should talk for myself, need to be more open and listen more and, and embrace change. I so think we're in you. it together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you so very much. It's been such a pleasure talking with you on our show today, and we can't wait to dig into your talk tomorrow. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thanks for being here. We've been talking to Dr. Amy Kotzenas from Mayo Clinic at the Grit for Women in Medicine. 